Hello, and welcome to Survivor Stories. My name is Jacob Little, and I've created this podcast for survivors. When I say survivors, I mean survivors of child abuse, survivors of addiction, survivors of the prison system, survivors of domestic violence, survivors of institutional child abuse. I'd like to give a trigger warning. This podcast will be real and raw as fuck. We will be interviewing survivors and also services that are helping survivors on their journey. Having lived experience of institutional child abuse and the prison system, I encourage all survivors to speak up. Hello everybody. This is the first podcast which is called Survivor Stories. My name is Jacob Little and I am based in Tweedheads in Australia. My mother is from New Zealand and my father's family is from New South Wales, a small country town called Inverell. The reason that I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to create a safe space for survivors. I think there needs to be a safe space for survivors. And this is survivors of abuse, child abuse, institutional child abuse, a survivor of the system, uh, a survivor of any type. When I say the system, I mean prison. At the moment, uh, the work that I'm doing uh, is around helping survivors of institutional child abuse through the whole litigation process. Uh, What our organisation does is help uh, survivors of institutional child abuse seek justice through the whole litigation process. So we are the link between the law firm and the survivor. This is one of the main reasons that I I thought that this space um, would be really good to jump into. Um, because I don't think there's many podcasts out there, to my knowledge, that uh, talk about this sort of stuff. I've done a little bit of research, and I think that it's going to be a cool space to work around. Um, so I do invite any survivors from you know around the world, around Australia, uh, anywhere at all that um, survivors are. We want to hear their stories. So if you feel like you know you you listen to this podcast and you might resonate with it or you might want to talk about what you have been through, Uh, we are more than happy to have you on. So, yeah. Myself, uh, I'm a survivor of abuse. Uh, When I was younger, 17 years old, I went through uh, the Brisbane Boys Yard. It's like a a youth detention centre. So when I was there, I suffered uh, sexual abuse from uh, a screw, a prison officer. Um, you know, it was pretty hard for me at that time. I was only a young fella going through the system. I only just uh, finished high school. I was playing footy with my mates. Just started, you know, getting into drinking and I still go on the beach, just playing sports. Yeah. Um, I was playing a lot of rugby league, things like that, and uh, yeah, unfortunately I ended up in the system, and when I was in the system, I suffered the abuse, um, 
at that point I was on I was remanded in custody for uh, an assault and uh, robbery with violence and I was just sitting in there waiting to get sentenced so uh, I went in when I was 17 when I turned 18 I had to move from that section to the men's prison um, so yeah it wasn't I didn't really know what to expect, you know, I grew up, you know, watching things on telly, I had a bit of an idea, I thought maybe I'm just going to just walk straight into the prison system, I'm going to get bashed, I was scared, to be honest, I didn't know what to expect, and after going through the abuse, I thought, you know, the same thing might happen again. I remember one of the first days I walked into the prison system, I I was walking in and it was a two-flight landings. So up the bottom were cells, down the bottom were cells. And um, there was guys at the bottom of the stairs. Um, I didn't know what they were doing, you know. They were just sort of sitting real close to each other. They looked like they were doing something with a spoon. I didn't realise they were mixing up their drugs and using that spoon to uh, shoot up. And later on that night, you know, I realised that that same spoon they were using, well, they were serving up our, our dinner with that same spoon, so... Um, fortunately I didn't get into using needles and things like that when I was in prison or at all. Um, but I have been through a lot of drug abuse, alcohol abuse, but I'll get into that a bit later. Um, when I, when I got out of prison, it was, a you know, it was a hard time for me. Um, I got out, I was a bit confused, I was a bit lost, started getting, um, heavily involved in gangs, um, started getting involved with more violence started getting into drinking a lot, partying a lot, drugs a lot, and it escalated. I started getting more charges. I was on bail again. I was on parole. And then eventually I got really involved with the different gangs and um, I, was, I was pretty seriously involved in one in particular. And um, yeah, I fucked up again. I got in trouble and had another fight. Most of my charges were all violence, uh, getting on the drink, getting in fights, or just getting in fights when I wasn't drunk. Um, so yeah, when I when I was about, I think, 20, 23, 24, I, I was back in, back in prison again. Around that time, in Queensland in particular, which is where I was living at the time, there was some different laws going around, different legislations going around that changed for gang associates. There's something called the, the Vlad Law. And unfortunately, I was charged under that. And I was looking at, I think it was 20 or 25 years. It was a pretty, pretty scary time in my life. We got thrown into um, solitary confinement. We were made to wear pink. Yes, I did say pink. Sounds like a bit of a joke and I'm making making it up, but that was one of the conditions that the Premier at the time who made these legislations had brought through. So we were wearing pink shorts, pink shirts, pink overalls. When walking through the prison, you know, people laughing at us because we were wearing the pink. Everyone else was wearing a different colour at that time and we had no contact visits. We had one jail phone call a day. We had no TVs. Um bare minimum buy-ups so you know a lot of pedophiles and other pieces of shit um 
when I'm say pieces of shit, I mean pedophiles or um, you know rapists, things like that. Uh, they were getting treated better than what we were, which I think was totally unfair. Um, but it is what it is, and we just had to kick along with it. So I was just sitting in my cell a lot of the days, not really having anything to do, no books to read, no TV. We had luckily we were allowed to receive letters. Um, you know, in them letters, it was good because I had, you know, friends, family. I was lucky I had a bit of support there. But yeah, some of them days are long, lonely, two hours, two hours out of the cell uh, every day. And at that time, on the outside, you know, I was in a gang and we were involved in doing whatever. And there was things going on on the outside. And when we got put into the prison, we got given a two hours yard time. So when you're put into the yard... It was myself and another guy that I, that I was uh, involved with on the outside. And then there was a different group. And on that group on the outside, that other group, we had drums with them. But, um, you know, there was only me and my mate at the time. And, and then a, a different group of guys, you know, there was eight of them, I think. But we weren't not going to go out in the yard with them. Because at that time, you know, I was going through a thing in my life where... Thought I was pretty tough or whatnot. Thought I had to live up to whatever I was going through, whatever was happening on the outside. So we went out and we just made a little deal with each other. Whatever happens, we'll just go out. So we went out. So it was just us and I think it was a group of six to eight other guys, but, you know, nothing happened. Um, we decided that, you know, the system was trying to fuck us over. They were trying to put us in a position that if we had that, something did happen, they could charge us and try and keep us in there for longer. So... It was all good. It was sort of like, you know, us against them. So we sorted it out. Yeah, so I, was, I think I spent two and a half or three months in that solitary confinement. It was very hard for me. I remember um, one of the days my sister had travelled up with my mum to come see me. And, um, you know, I was sitting in my cell. I was very excited because at that time I hadn't had many visits. I haven't seen my sister for a while. Yeah, so I was excited as and... Next thing you know, I'm looking outside the window, as we did, and not much else to look at, so we could just have a look outside the window, but there was a, a prison fence, two prison fences around the outside of the jails at Woodford, and um, I seen some guy, he was uh, he was running down the middle of the fences, and it was actually quite entertaining, because we had nothing else to look at, and um, you know, they called the squad in there, or whatever they called, um, come down to try and to try and get him, but they couldn't get on the inside of this fence. So it was quite funny, you know, these guys, all, they're all dressed up in all their heavy, heavy uniforms. They look like Ninja Turtles. So there's this guy, he's in the middle of the fence, and then you have all these guys chasing him down one way to the left, and then there's all the officers as well, like, uh, I don't know, the higher-up screws, whoever they are. So there was probably about, you know, 10 or 15 guys chasing this one guy, but they couldn't get him in the middle. And it was, it was hilarious. And then on the other side of the fence, I had the dog squad and um, the guys in the cars driving up and down, up and down. Now, this went on for pretty for, for about half an hour. It was pretty funny. But eventually they got in and got him anyway. But it, it was bad because I didn't get to... The visits got cancelled. The jail got locked down. So the, we were already on lockdown. So we got locked down even more. So what that meant was no no visits. That was hard. Because, you know, I hadn't seen my 
my little sis, hadn't spoke to her. I was going to say my mum on a non-contact visit. I mean, a non-contact visit's better than no visit, I suppose. But didn't get to um, didn't get to have that, so that sucked. At that time, you know, I um, I was going through a lot of things in my head, like, oh, what if what if I was to spend the rest of my life in here? I was just sitting in that cell thinking, for twenty five years of this. What they were trying to do is trying to break us down, you know, trying to break us down so. So we would become informants or dogs or rats or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I grew up in a situation where, um, you know, we don't talk to the police. So, you know, I was just thinking there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Um, sitting back at myself thinking there's a little bit of light at the end of that tunnel. I'm going to get there one day. One day I'm going to get there. And... Um, you know, fortunately, they changed the legislations and the laws and we got out of lockdown after about two and a half months. It's got put into, you know, just the normal parts of the of the prison. So I got a job, trained, finished my time and, um, yeah, I got out. So, yeah, it was really good. Just got out, was back, back out in the streets, back doing what I was doing before I went in. But I was on parole this time, so I sort of had to keep a low profile. Um... At that time, you know, it was, it was a, coming up to a time in my life where uh, it was a turning point in my life, I think. Um, my father was getting out of prison. Um, my father was taken away from me when I was 10 years old um, for different things, you know. He got caught up in, in his own stuff when he was younger, you know, and unfortunately he was taken away for a 16 and a half year prison sentence. So when I grew up, you know, I didn't, I didn't really have many men in my life that were positive. Um, me and my little sis, um, we grew up in the housing commission for parts of our lives. Um, my mother done her very best for us, love her dearly. And um, you know, there was uh, some, some drinking, um, domestic violence, and things like that when we were growing up, but. You know, it, it was tough, but it is what it is, and it sort of made me the person that I am today. From there, you know, um, dad was obviously taken away. Me and my little sister were, had that sort of upbringing. Um, I was visiting jails. I was having jail phone calls. Then I started going to jail. All my mates were in jail. My life was sort of revolving around jail, you know writing letters to jails, visiting the jails, all that sort of stuff, you know. So it was like pretty normal for me, that mentality, going to prison or living that lifestyle, doing whatever it was to get by. Um, I'm not proud of some of the things I've done in my life. Probably regret some things that I've done, you know. Um, Been a fuck up on the piss, just doing stupid shit, hurting people, things like that. But it is what it is. So yeah, dad was getting due for parole and what was happening there was I wasn't, because um, we we're sort of involved in the same sort of things, same sort of crews, we were given the, put in the position that if I was caught associating with anybody, I could possibly put him back in, in prison or I wouldn't be able to see him. So uh, as I said, I'd spent my whole life, you know, 
not seen him, so I thought, fuck that. Um, and I left. So, yeah, it was a very hard hard time in my life, to be honest. I um, was going through lots of things. But, you know, it was good because Dad was there. And um, it was good. It was good to have him there for support. And... But I was still doing it tough in, in myself, you know, because I lost my whole circle of friends, 90, 90% of my friends. So, yeah, it was a bad time for me, to be honest. I was, you know, drinking a lot, partying a lot, on drugs a lot, just trying to figure out what to do with my life and what steps to take. Um, around that same time, you know, I started hearing about, in Australia, there was a Royal Commission into uh, institutional uh, responses to... Uh, child abuse, institutional child abuse. And what happened from there, a lot of people were coming out and telling their stories about what had uh, happened in, in the different institutions around Australia. So there might have been uh, cases where kids were abused in boys' homes, girls' homes, uh, foster cares, docs, any uh, youth detention centres, any um, churches or church-run institutions, any uh, missions, reserves, community-based groups, any um, sporting teams, girls' guides, scouts, any uh, after-school cares, schools, private, public, boarding, uh, hostels. Yeah, basically any Australian institution that failed to protect a child's innocence. And um, my my uncle at the time um, sort of started me out in this line of work. Um, he's a good fella. Love him dearly. He... Um, he had me working with him, you know, like I was lucky. Gave me a start, kicked me off. And um, the next couple of years of my life, uh, they started changing. You know, that time, uh, people around me telling me that, you know, things are going to get better. You just need to hang in and focus and stay committed to what you're doing. So I kept doing that, kept doing that. And um, so, yeah, I started to tell my story about what I had been through just before I started working with survivors of institutional child abuse and I uh, started the litigation process. I got in contact with um, got in contact with the, the lawyers. I started to tell my story. I started that healing journey. I think it's very necessary for uh, people to talk about what they went through, not to try and block it out, not to try and get on drugs or alcohol, try and block it out. You know, you could end up in bad places mentally, physically, you could end up in prison. Uh, lots of these guys and girls who have been through the abuse they're serving life sentences whether they're inside of prison or outside of prison they say a perpetrator's greatest gift is their victim silence so you need to hand back that that backpack of guilt shame embarrassment anger whatever it is you need to hand it back to us rightful owner the perpetrator that's quoted from my uncle that that line right there uh, I think it's very true and um, such a good, such a good thing to say. So yeah, so the the last couple of years have really, really changed, and and I started to tell my story, started my healing journey, and then also started the work. Uh, from that, you know, I've I want to become a lawyer now. I want to help people who have been fucked over by the system. So that's what we've been doing. I've started studying at university. I just finished my tertiary preparation. 
uh, it's like a bridging course because basically as soon as I finished high school I was in jail straight in the system and then just started down the path of destruction for a long time you know there's a lot of people around me that had to put up with that um, you know I probably put my friends and family through some through lots of shit you know me being in the system them having to live it um, them hearing stories about what I've done so yeah I appreciate everyone who who stuck by me through that you know in particular my mum love her very much and um, as, as much as we had things rough tough in the beginning she has um, you know she's helped me she's been my number one supporter I love her a lot you know she's the best um, yeah so yeah, I'm studying at university now and going to be doing a Bachelor of Arts next year, just finish my tertiary preparation and then hopefully get my grades up enough to study law and it's going to be a difficult path to walk for me because of my gang associations, my history, I haven't been in any trouble for three and a half years, um, also tr- in training to have a fight in the ring, I'm hanging around a lot of positive people, just a shout out to our gym and all the boys there, you know, and my uncle actually helped me to get into that gym, so yeah, everyone at that gym, I don't know who's listening or whatnot, but Shout out to uh, the boys in the gym and the trainers, all positive people. I encourage anyone uh, to to get into some form of exercise, whether it's walking, stretching, running, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I recommend anyone to get in into the boxing. It's very good. And yeah, so I had been working that space for a couple of years, and the last couple of months in particular, myself and my father have started an organisation called About Time for Justice. And um, what we do is we help survivors of institutional child abuse. So it's the same work that I was doing previously, but now me and my father have started our own organisation. My father is also a survivor of institutional child abuse. He's done time in New South Wales system. Um, He's done 16 and a half straight, as I said earlier, 16, 16 and a half. And... You know, I'd only done one year in Queensland system, but it's time that you never get back. And that time, who knows what I could have done with it. But I'm glad that now I've realised that there is a there's a better life in jail. You know, there's a there's a lot of bad people. There's um there's no family in jail. There's no brotherhood in jail. There's no money in jail. There's no pussy in jail. There is. Not much good that comes from it. It's just fake brotherhood and a lot of fake people. Anyone who's been in the system would agree with me. It's not a good place. It's no place that you want to spend any time or any any time at all. Yeah, it's not good. So I thought I'd reach out and and I start this podcast to hopefully encourage, inspire, uh, mentor. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone who, who has been through the abuse and anyone who wants to jump on our show, I'd love to have you on and talk about what you've been through. We're also um, on social media if you want to follow us. All the links are in our bio. So there'll be the links. Um, also, you can find us, I'll just say them now. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, about time for justice that's spelled a b o u t time t i m e for 
F-O-R, Justice, J-U-S-T-I-C-E. Also got a cool group. It's called Beating the System. So it's for anyone who's been through the system, supporting someone through the system, uh, anyone who's got any issues, mental health issues, health issues. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a lot of good stuff happening in that group and I'm excited to drop this podcast. You know, we're only just starting out and uh, I think over time it'll grow and I love for, um, you know, for, for people to share this. Um, whether it's uh, on Facebook or send it, um, just send a text message or whatever way you want to share this podcast, um, would love to love to um, have you do that. And thanks again for everyone who's been supporting what we do. Uh, it really means a lot, you know. It's only a fast podcast, but we've got a pretty decent following on our Facebook, Instagram, uh, Beating the System group, and people who are just following me on my personal page. Um, personal Facebook page so if you can relate to this story or you like this please share it have a good day guys stay happy positive and healthy let's go I would like to thank everyone who is following Survivor Stories for being a part of our community If you would like to follow our journey on social media, we are on Facebook and Instagram at About Time for Justice, which is spelled about A-B-O-U-T, time, T-I-M-E, for, F-O-R, justice, J-U-S-T-I-C-E. There is no spaces. That is all one word. We also have Twitter, but unfortunately we could not get the same name. Our handle is about time 4 ju one We also have a website, abouttimeforjustice.com. We also encourage all of our listeners to jump on to our closed off Facebook prison support group, which is called Beating the System. You can find all the links in this podcast in the details section below. We would love to hear your story. If you would like to be a guest on our show, please hit me up. If you found any value from this podcast, I would ask you to pay a small fee. And of course, that is only if you found value. We do not charge or run any ads at the moment. I ask if you could please subscribe, leave a review and to tell one friend about our show.